Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Tatiana Habanova about equestrian athletes and neural performance after concussion. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of The Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Also, don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Tatiana Habanova, and she is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist practicing in Wellington, Florida. She is the clinical director of Palm Beach Brain Center, a premier state-of-the-art neuroperformance and concussion clinic providing non-invasive brain-based health care using a functional neurology approach. During the Winter Equestrian Festival, Olympians, professional riders, and adult amateurs from all over the world flock to Wellington to compete in the 16-week circuit and to work with Dr. Habanova in neuroperformance training and concussion rehabilitation. She is very passionate about female health, brain health, and coaches women in their healing journey from overcoming neurofatigue to creating better brain health. This stems from her own struggles recovering from three brain injuries, upon which she vowed to set a new standard in female brain health and recovery. She is the host of Brain Health Savvy, a weekly podcast which inspires listeners with real conversations between Dr. Habanova and other brain health experts and highlights fierce, unapologetic women who are trailblazing their way to better brain health. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Habanova. I am so excited to have you here. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Amy. It is so wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me on to your podcast. It's a privilege and a pleasure. And, and before we get started, you know, I just want to take a moment and really just acknowledge you and thank you uh, professionally, but personally for just all the amazing work you do uh, in the field of concussion and advocating for people with TBI and bringing awareness and connecting people to good quality sources of care. Um, you just really do 
a tremendous amount. And I just really want to take a moment to acknowledge all that you've gone through through your own injury, recovery, and just continuing to help others. So thank you for all the work you do. Thank you. I so appreciate those kind words. Thank you so much. Um, So I would love to start. We got a little teaser in your bio, um, but how did you come to work in the brain injury community? You yourself have had several brain injuries. So why don't we start just start there? Have you share with us um, your own journey? Sure, sure. Um, well, I'll keep it brief because, uh, you know, as, as we know with these kind of brain injuries, sometimes they can become a little persistent and, and long-lasting. Uh, but out of nowhere, one day I ended up developing or sustaining or acquiring viral meningitis. I didn't know it at the time. I was busy working in my practice, uh, probably working more hours than I should, but I was loving what I was doing. I loved helping um, people and, and just all the riders. Primarily, I, I have the privilege of working with the equestrian athletes when I come to Wellington for circuit. And uh, out of nowhere, I just got a really, really bad headache. It just wouldn't go away. I don't get headaches normally. So this was really out of the blue. And I felt really like the worst I've ever felt in my entire life. Ended up going to the hospital. Um, actually, I had to go back a couple times because at first they just said I was sick. I just had like a common cold. <laughs> uh, Twelve hours later, I, I come back again going, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but they did a lumbar puncture at that time. And sure enough, that's how they diagnosed the viral meningitis. And into the hospital, I got admitted. Um, and then, you know, basically that's really how it started. I had to start my road to recovery. And the challenge that was happening there was, um, you know, this was about 14 years ago. So, I, you know, the hospital did a wonderful job. Uh, you know, finally was able to go home and I continued recovering at home. But there was no guidance. Like, literally, they just told me to go home and rest until I feel better to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, of course, it has happened, unfortunately, right at the start of one of my seasons, I was fully booked, as I usually get fully booked out for circuit. And, uh, you know, basically, I'm like, now, you know, at home, I was in the hospital for a full week. I was able to get out after a week, after proving I could just shower uh, myself um, at the hospital. They, the nurses and doctors, they didn't really watch me take a shower, but they were in the room watching and counting how many minutes it took me mm-hmm. to be able to bathe <laughs> myself. And I will tell you, that was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my whole entire life. I mean, I never fully comprehended the effects of uh, a brain injury, you know, having all that inflammation in the brain and that cytotoxic, you know, soup that kind of happens and, um, you know, similar to to what happens in concussions, right? So that was just really, really hard. Uh, But that was, you know, then, you know, then got home and I stayed home for about two and a half months trying my darndest to be able to just resume life. But even the basic things were really difficult. You you know, I remember... uh, trying to drive uh, to work thinking I can maybe go in and see one person for one hour, you know, to start small. And I was having to back up my car out of the garage that had been sitting there forever, right? And I, I, I literally couldn't even get halfway past the driveway. I had to stop. I did not realize how much eye movement goes on to just trying to back a car up. You know, how many times you look in the rearview mirror, you're checking the side, you're, you know, I didn't have a backup cam at that time. I don't know if they were in the cars at that time, but I had like turn my head, you know, over my shoulder, look behind me, come back. And, oh my gosh, that was way too much. That 30 second attempt at trying to get out of my driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the house I went, you know, but there was no guidance. And that's, 
you know, maybe I didn't get hooked up to the right people. I, you know, I went to an amazing hospital, one of the top in, in my area. They were wonderful there. But I just said, go home. You know, that's it. Just rest. You know, it'll get, it'll get better with time. And, uh, and it took me two and a half years to recover, actually. I was able to return back to work after about two and a half months slowly, very slowly. And, um, you know, just kind of picked up the pieces, kind of tried to reassemble my life, reassemble my, my practice. Um, life was never normal after that. You know, we just kept trying your best. <laughs> and then just dealing with the effects and, you know, never, nobody ever talked to me, coached me about what to experience and how to do neurological rehab, right? Or at the fact that right now I need this because it's been this long after the injury, right? <laughs> and then um, not knowing that some of my say reaction times and reading and, and just various things like eye movement control and you know things like that that were happening to me were an issue uh and so you know inadvertently i ended up having a mild 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 uh, car accident i mean it's a tiny tiny little fender bender um i had a seatbelt on but i think i still ended up you know kind of moving forward i don't know if i just technically had a whiplash or not um but, you know, I sustained some neck pain and discomfort. So perhaps, you know, some minor sprain strain going on. And, um, you know, just a fender bender. So nothing crazy. But my God, did that send me for a loop for a very long time. So that little, little, you know, whiplash slash, you know, motor mm-hmm. vehicle accident, fender bender, uh, threw me back into the fire of my old, um, you know, symptoms just completely flared up out of nowhere. It took me about a year to recover from that. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, I finally got to a point where I was like, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. This is ridiculous. And, you know, I've always had an interest in brain health. Um, you know, I love working with athletes. And I just was like, I've got to get to the bottom of this. I've got to figure out how, you know, how to heal myself. And as I started to do that and I started to get educated and get connected to the right people and really dive deep into this world, I, I started to learn so much more. And after I myself went through my, my own recovery, and I'm always, <laughs> they were all works, you know, in motion, you know, so it's not something I, I just accomplished and now I'm done forever. Um, I, I say to my patients, it's, it's kind of like, you know, brushing your teeth. You don't brush your teeth once in life and say, I've got that one done for the rest of my life, right? You do it every day. So I do make sure that I maintain brain health on a daily basis because it is important. But I came to become aware that, my goodness, there isn't enough guidance and education and support for people who go through this, the right kind of support to help them through um, and, and in fact, there is. There is lots of, I shouldn't say that, there are lots of wonderful people like yourself and obviously concussion clinics and professions dedicated to this. It's just that the mainstream public isn't connected to that well enough, right? And I think this is where a lot of your work stems from as well, is being able to 
help educate people about concussions, about brain injuries, what to expect, you know, what to do, how to recover quicker, you know, what are the stumbling blocks that happen along the way, how to navigate through those, and, you know, help people recover and heal um, and get on with their lives, right? So that, that you know, my own personal experience, I kind of threw me into the, <laughs> the thrills of it all, uh, is on one level of blessing because I've learned a lot, I've been able to help my own self, but more importantly, I'm able to help others, and, and that pleases me and, and brings me lots of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you mentioned how that, you know, seemingly mild car accident just totally thrust you back into all your symptoms. Um, I think that's an important uh, topic to kind of touch on here, you know, had had you not had previous injury, would that car accident have caused the symptoms it caused, right? Um, right. Or, you know, was it just exasperated because you still had unresolved symptoms, which um, I think often happens, like people have a, a relatively simple bump to the head. You know, they stand up and hit their head on the cupboard. Who has not done right. that? 10 times in their life. Um, but all of a sudden, right. their world is completely upside down and people think they're insane. Well, you just hit your head on the cupboard. Like, I don't get yeah. it. A person may have had past trauma that they weren't even aware of. They might have been in a car yeah. accident and walked away without a scratch or, you know, they yeah. might have fallen off a bike as a kid. What, you know, whatever it is. Um, I know after mine, I looked back and was able to pinpoint at least two other incidents when um, I was young. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, our, our poor brains are so vulnerable. And if you have other inflammation going on at the time too, that, that can impact, um, have an impact on the hit to the head or the hit, you know, just the jolt to the body. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a really, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's a really important um, well, you know, thing for people to understand. It, it, well, this is where I think there's a lot of confusion, and you are absolutely right. This is an area um, that is significant, uh, but goes unnoticed, or um, you know, most people just kind of brush it off. And like you said, their, their family or friends are thinking they're crazy, and their their whole world fell apart. And it's like, what just happens, right? Um, but but it's true. It ha- it does happen, and you know that again. Each each concussion, each um, it's so personalized, right? So it's hard to be very generic about these kind of answers because it really goes down to what's going on with that person per se. But we do know, for instance, if um, someone had um, previous concussions, right, uh, previous uh, brain injuries, if there's a pre-existing history of anxiety, depression, or, or post-traumatic stress disorder going on, um, if there was a pre-existing, any learning disabilities that maybe they had as a young child or perhaps maybe, you know, still have into adult like ADHD, um, we also know that at the time of the initial Injury, okay, so not this little bump that kind of threw their world off, but let's say they could think back at a time, and many people honestly do not uh, realize they've had concussions in their life, so they don't uh, make a, a mental note or it doesn't, you know, go into their memory as something to remember or as a, an important event, right? 
but the more severe the symptoms in the early phases of that initial concussion, let's say it was 10 years ago or whatever, right? Let's say they just fell off their bike and hit their head as a kid or something. Let's say those were more severe in the early stages of that healing part of the concussion. That's going to set them up for more risk later. Okay, so there's studies showing us that. Uh, also, back in the day, you know, concussion rehab and concussion research um, and protocols have significantly changed, uh, you know, let's say in the last decade, uh, and they continue to do so. There's so much more we're learning and understanding on concussion than we did when maybe, you know, you and I were younger, like let's say 20, 30, 40 mm, years right. ago, right? And so back in the day, the old uh, thought, which is uh, now, you know, dispelled as a myth, but it still lingers. And today people still operate, even, uh, you know, meaningly, uh, meaning, uh, meaning well physicians, right? So ER doctors and, and family practice doctors, you know, meaning well will still say they're just maybe not up on their concussion rehab and recovery protocols because uh, you really should see a concussion specialist if you uh, suspect you've had a concussion or a whiplash. Uh, but they will still say, just go rest, go in a dark room. Yeah. Right. That's still what's um, suggested to people. And we know, we know that resting too much. Okay. Now this is where it gets a little bit, you know, we have to set some yes. parameters around that because, <laughs> you know, symptom limited activity is necessary. Okay. And there are ways we grade and scale and monitor that. So that's you know, a slightly separate topic here in a second. But, you know, just hibernating, basically, like just lock yourself in a dark room, put on dark glasses and don't come out so you feel better. We know that that's not right. Um, that's not accurate anymore. And we'll delay recovery. So probably most people who get a bump in the head, a mild little bump on the cupboard, you know, or you stand up and I always hit the, the door jam. <laughs> I'm, I'm six once. I'm so tall. Sometimes I hit my head on, <laughs> on things. But it's like, yeah, that tiny little innocent bump can, you know, cause a whirlwind of symptoms to reoccur. And this is because of probably underlying symptoms that never got resolved, but somehow the person carries on with their day and makes do the best they can. But, you know, their brain honestly hasn't really fully recovered, right, if we see something like that. And that's what I have to teach my my patients a lot about is I work with a lot of athletes. So it's obvious if they've fallen and hit their head, right? A lot of times they are videotaping themselves when they're practicing or when they're in their, um, their shows competing because they like to see, you know, the performance. So that's, that's great that they do that and we can go back and look at uh, the video if there was a fall. But many times there aren't those quote-unquote falls, right? Oh, I just yeah. got tossed off my horse or, oh, he bucked <laughs> a little bit, Right. And so and then they don't feel well. And it's just part of, I think, in, in the equestrian community, the, the culture is just you just suck it up. You got to be tough. That's part of what happens. I don't even think they even um, communicate or say anything to anybody because this is what everyone mm-hmm. experiences. You're just, uh, um, you know. You're not, you know, expected nothing, to suck it up. It up. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And um, so they, so they, a lot of times they don't even come up in conversation, and I have to dig it out of them. Yeah. You know, and educate, try to help them understand that, you know, what's actually really going on here. And and the reason why I'm so passionate about all of this is exactly what you saw before. If there were other underlying inflammatory conditions going on in the person's body. Um, and in their brain, besides a concussion, you know, so a concussion is an inflammatory event, and it's important to 
have that heal appropriately for obvious reasons. But if there are other symptoms going on in the patient, that can lead to, you know, issues with brain function as well. And we know that two-thirds of women are getting a diagnosis of Alzheimer's after the age of 65. And we know Alzheimer's is a 20 to 30-year uh, you know, process in motion, right? So if we go back and think about, well, what caused some brain inflammation 20, 30 years ago that might have not really resolved and healed and perhaps sent us into a lifelong trajectory of, of cognitive-related mm-hmm. issues down the road, right? Um, so it's critical that people take it seriously in, in the moment that it happens, right? Yeah, so I, I kind of want to jump in to talking more specifically about you work with a lot of equestrian athletes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's a super underserved, I don't know if underserved is the right word, maybe um, community that, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of already alluded to like they get bucked off horses, they fall (laughs) off, they get kicked, whatever. And they, you know, you just Mm -hmm. suck it up. And I mean, think about a horse. How tall is a horse? Like six feet? Uh, they usually do it by hands, like 16 hands, 17 hands is a, a very tall horse. But, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> up there. Uh, uh, and, just, you yeah, know, some I of mean, it is speed, you know, and um, especially the polo riders, they're, they're, I mean, you know, going super fast, but, right? And there's some time yeah. impact, right, with, the, with that. And the hunter jumpers are jumping, um, you know, the jumps, and they, they're, you know, the jumpers go around quickly. It's a speed thing. Hunters, it's more about the form, and dressage is more about the form. But, Horses are horses. You know, stuff happens. And I mean, okay, so a horse, most horses are probably somewhere around six feet where you get in the saddle. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big fall. Like the vast majority of falls from over five feet. Like I think the statistic is something like 50% result in deaths of over five feet. Right. Um, You know, so that's a big freaking fall, (laughs) you know, and yeah. Even with the helmet on, most equestrians are good about wearing helmets, um, but, uh, but not always. You know, you might be out for a casual, leisurely ride and not wearing one. Um, but I, I recently met a woman. Um, she, I don't quite know how she fell off her horse, um, but they were actually on pavement, and she was unconscious. The people called 911. She regained consciousness about the time the ambulance arrived. Um, you know, it broke her helmet. She fractured her skull. Um, but yet, nobody told her she had a brain injury. She fractured right. her skull. And nobody told her she had a brain injury. And she tried to go back to writing, you know, when she got out of the hospital or, you know, a few weeks later. Um, And then that motion, the up and down motion of riding a horse, like it was too much for her. And she's like, what's going on? She's like, I've fallen off horses before. Like, I don't understand what's going on. But nobody (laughs) told her she had a brain injury. Like, how on earth did that get missed in the conversation with the doctor, right? <laughs> sure, sure. And this, this is very, very common. And obviously when there is um, an, uh, an obvious concussion, like, her, you know, I mean, we, we know helmets do not prevent concussions. They are Mm-mm. designed mm-hmm. to um, help prevent fractures of the skull. In this woman's case, uh, the, the impact was so severe that it not only damaged her helmet, it actually did also fracture her skull. It, it um, probably saved her life but did not 
save her skull. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And more equestrians are mindful of, of wearing helmets, and, I, you know, it's becoming more mandatory, uh, obviously, in the showgrounds and things like that. But you're right. I mean, who, you know, how can the conversation didn't go to that next step? What also happens is a lot of times is, is equestrians are not aware that, uh, the only indicator of a concussion may be a momentary feeling of disorientation, you know, maybe like a headache and a brain fog, but that still technically is a concussion. And, and there's a grading scale, and we can go over briefly if you want to share that with your listeners, but that's the other end of the spectrum, right? So you've got the real obvious, she fell, she cracked her head open, the ambulance came, you know, she had lost consciousness, but then regained it. Hello, this is a, obviously a severe <laughs> you know, traumatic right? brain injury, and there's going to be more than just skull healing that needs to occur, um, and that conversation needs to carry on, and exactly why, why wasn't that happening, and um, how come she wasn't sent to a concussion specialist who can monitor and manage her concussion recovery, right, and uh, rehab some of the pathways, if whatever she needed, right, to hopefully go back to baseline. And, and that's another, actually, element that's important that we should bring up is a, a lot of, mm, of, yes. of riders baseline. are not getting baseline testing. And baseline testing is just a series of, of tests that just basically sort of states, like, this is where your, your brain functions are, you know, it's, um, it gives us baseline. So in case there is, like, a fracture or a fall or a, a jolt to the body or a whiplash, all those things can lead to a concussion that can be determined very quickly and also rehabbing um, through that process to make sure you go back to baseline. Um, you know, most people don't recover back to baseline if they're not rehabbed properly, yeah. but they don't realize mm-hmm. that because there's no assessment, you know, and, and we know research says that uh, there's um, how quickly should you uh, seek care after a suspected concussion. And, and one thing I want to do before we do that, if I can, is I really just want to provide a definition of what a mild traumatic brain injury is because that's actually a concussion, right? We use the word mild traumatic brain injury and concussion um, synonymous. So it's obvious if someone has a severe brain injury, there's a skull fracture, you know, things like that. But most people perhaps will get, you know, knocked off a horse, right, you know, jolted or whatever. Um, maybe they have a mild headache. A lot of equestrians know they should immediately go to the ER and get a CAT scan done. And usually the emergency doc will then say, nothing shows up on CAT scan, you're fine. Go home, mm-hmm. rest for a little bit. Okay, so I want to just sort of dispel that a little bit because this is where I think um, a lot of them like, turn to for their guidance of what to do. So I'm very excited that people are realizing that they should just at least go get screened in case there's a blood bleed or something else, you know. But with mild traumatic brain injury, uh, there's three categories of brain injuries. We call the mild, moderate, severe. The mild category, also known as concussion, the imaging is normal. You're not going to see anything on CT and MRI. So that's great that it's normal. So that puts you in that mild category. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a concussion or that there isn't that metabolic cytotoxic, uh, you know, process that occurred in the brain uh, that, you know, needs to be rehabbed and monitored and recovered appropriately. So most people with a mild traumatic brain injury or a concussion will not see anything on CT or MRI scans. They will uh, lose consciousness sometimes not at all. Zero seconds to 30 minutes is the classification. 
um, they might have one moment or up to 24 hours of altered consciousness, which means like brain fog, feeling a little wonky, feeling a little disorientated. So basically maybe a day of feeling a little off. They might not even have memory loss, but the category says zero memory loss to about maybe a day. You could have a little memory loss in one day. And we use a, a scale called the Glasgow Coma Scale or Glasgow Coma Score. It's just a way to, um, you know, in the field, when athletes were playing in the field, just if someone hurt themselves, it was a, a scoring system to help identify what type of concussion they may have quickly. And so uh, Glasgow Coma Scale of 13 to 15, 15 being perfect and normal, um, is where the mild concussion category is. So you're basically, you know, blinking, responding, talking, um, knowing how many fingers I'm wiggling type of thing. So here's the norm, okay, this is the norm. You could have a normal imaging, okay, CT and MRI, may not lose consciousness, have no memory loss, have the Glasgow Coma score of 15, which is perfect, and have still sustained a concussion. The only yep. indication might be a momentary feeling of a little disorientation, maybe followed by some headache and a little brain fog for less than a day but you sustained a concussion. And what we mm -hmm. also know, this is the interesting part, Amy, is that we know that people who seek care and go to a concussion specialist within the first four days, okay, so generally immediately to up to four days, recover within about 20 days of that concussion. People who sustain a concussion or suspect a concussion and wait to go see concussion specialists till day eight, okay? So they wait four more days. They're kind of hem and high, not sure if they should or shouldn't, whatever the case is, okay? If they wait till day eight, their recovery takes 77 days. This is on average on studies. So if you can get to a concussion specialist within the first 24 to 72 hours, you're most likely gonna be recovering within 21 to 30 days, 22 being that average. Waiting four extra days delays your concussion to 77 days, 57 more days. <laughs> well, and I so also want to point out that not all no. symptoms show up right away. Sometimes symptoms That's can right. take weeks to a month or so to even really start to show up. Or maybe it's that you're not noticing them yet, right? I know mine got progressively worse before they got better. Um and, you know, that's part of the challenge, too. Like, oh, maybe I yeah. don't have a concussion, you know, and then yeah. you forget about it. And then three weeks yeah. go by and all of a sudden you're forgetting things or you're acting moody or, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such it's a fickle exactly. little organ, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And we also know that, um, you know, at first, within the first three to five days is when people are going to feel the worst because that's when all that metabolic soup, you know, when you first get concussed, what's really happening is those brain cells, the neurons and the supported glia cells. So all the cells in the brain, they're kind of getting stretched and sheared. Uh, they're not being torn, okay, and ripped apart. They're just being stretched and sheared because the brain, it's kind of like jello, you know, it's kind of moving around in the skull. So when you get, you know, maybe a hit to the body or a whiplash, we now know those concussive forces can actually reverb up into the brain and cause a concussion to the brain, even though you didn't actually hit your head. 
right? So that's some new findings um, that we're understanding about concussion. So that shearing of the, the brain cells, what that does is it causes um, nerves or electrical tissue, so it causes this cytotoxic burst of inflammation and all this calcium and glutamate starts to just spew all over the place. And these are uh, uh, chemicals and, and calcium is an ion, cytotoxic, they're cytatory. So when they spill, when one you know, neuron shears uh, and some of that comes out into um, the, you know, the surrounding area, that stimulates other neurons to start to just spontaneously depolarize. And they get excited and they spill more out. And it's just a big, we call it like a soup, you know, a cytocoxic like gunk. It's just a, a crazy. And now the brain has to clean that up. And that just takes a lot of energy. And this is where you'll feel headaches and you'll feel like garbage those first few days, usually about three to five days is when all that kind of occurs in that time frame. That's why people feel the worst. But here's the interesting thing. Within about day seven to ten, you start to feel better. And what happens is most people believe that once their symptoms go away, you know, maybe blurred vision, headache, not feeling right, maybe difficulty concentrating, remembering, you know, their symptoms will start to resolve about day seven to day 10. But that doesn't mean they're metabolically resolved. Their symptoms are feeling better. I mean, the brain is, is catching up and cleaning up the cytotoxic mass and trying to restore normal. Uh, so symptoms are, are feeling better, which is a good sign, but they assume that everything is back to normal again. And this is a really dangerous thinking and a dangerous window because from that moment of day 10 to when that concussion should really be resolved to about maybe day 21 to day 30, we have this um, time frame where there might be a second impact. This is where you believe you're fine, but technically your brain's reaction times and, and the way it's functioning is not quite on point yet. And this is where second impacts occur. And once you have a second impact, your delay isn't like, oh gosh, now I've got another 10 more days to recovery. No, it can go from three, four more months to six, seven, eight more months. And that's where, you know, we talked about having that little bump to the head and it just like tossed the apple cart, right? <laughs> so we have to be really mindful that symptoms can get worse and if they keep getting worse, we're now in the world of post-concussive syndrome and that's not going to heal on its own. It's going to need um, intervention. It's going to need to have some properly evaluate, rehab, and manage the person's recovery, but also to realize just because symptoms resolve doesn't mean metabolically the person is back to 100% brain function. They're not back to their baseline, right. basically, mm -hmm. right? And they need to be monitored and they need to be cleared uh, by a physician. Um, for that, you know, to show that, yes, you are back to baseline. So there are some, like, dangerous pitfalls, and most people just don't know about these things and unfortunately get themselves, you know, um, into a little bit of uh, not knowing, yeah, and they can kind of set themselves up for issues down the road. And it's important that, you know, even a lot of physicians, um, uh, neurosurgeons, things, if they're not up onto concussion uh, training and you know really involved in this work you know they don't necessarily always give the right information so it's it's it does fall onto the patient you know to be able to know what to do um but being connected to sources like what you create um and all your avenues uh that you connect other patients to to physicians and clinics and things really helps so they get into the right hands and get the right treatment yeah and so 
Dr. Habanova, we are just about out of time, and you okay. have given us so much amazing information. Um, <laughs> I've been typing my notes. Um, but I do want to make sure you mention, um, I have a couple links in the show notes that you've given me. Um, mm-hmm. You have a cognitive assessment and um, uh, an equestrian PDF, correct? Yeah, so um, a couple of just um, helpful, you know, a guide to know for uh, equestrians, and and it could be useful for anyone who is um, having a concussion or wants to just get a little bit more information, just some basic guidelines. Um, Some of the things we spoke about today just kind of laid out, uh, so anyone's welcome to download that and, um, you know, utilize that as as a resource. And then the other is a concussive, um, excuse me, a cognitive assessment uh, for, I'm a big proponent on women's brain health. I, I am an advocate on helping women understand the importance of, um, you know, early detection. And so the sooner we can detect any subjective cognitive impairment or mild cognitive impairment, the better, because there's things we can do to improve upon that. Uh, so I make that available as a, um, a free mini assessment, uh, you know, for them to go through and just start. Um, most people are afraid to start to that first step. And sometimes just in that yeah. first step and starting to involve oneself in, in the path of, of learning and understanding and discovery opens up the conversation. So I make that available. <laughs> well, that is so great of you um, to have these resources for everyone. And just, again, they are in the show notes, so you can click on those. And also, if people want to find you, your website is drhabanova.com. And you're also on Instagram. Um, your handle there is... It's Dr. Period Habanova, so Dr. Period Habanova, and same with Facebook. Uh, so Perfect. yes, I always post things and information. So hop on over and, and you know join the tribe. <laughs> We'd love yeah, to have yeah, you. yeah. You you post lots of great little informational tidbits. So I love following you. Oh, it's been a pleasure oh, you, having Amy. you here today. Such great content. You just dived into so much. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and just sharing with our listeners today. So thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. I so appreciate you having me. I, I'm grateful for this time together. So, and you do such amazing work. I'm a huge supporter of you. So thank you. I'm honored to be on your show today. No, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. I really hope you got a lot of useful knowledge from Dr. Tatiana Habernova. And again, just another reminder, all her links are in the show notes. So you can click on those. And just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. You can sign up for your free consultation online at integratedbraincenters.com. And you can also find all of our previous podcast episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or you can find them directly at facesoftbi.com. And also don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Um, You know, I would love for you to share a photo of you listening to the podcast and tag me in it. I would love to share that in my stories. And also another reminder, join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode.